Live from the KIJU studios in beautiful Ogasawara, this is the Monster Island Film Vault bonus episode 7, Gamera the Invincible Mini-Analysis. Hello, Kaiju lovers, and welcome to the Monster Island Film Vault, a podcast seeking entertainment and enlightenment through tokusatsu. I am your solo flying host, Monster Island's very own film curator, Nate Marchand. Okay, Han? Really, Jimmy? Well, at least Disney Star Wars doesn't trigger you like Jar Jar does. <laughs> no, you love me. But I guess I'm technically not flying solo with you here. Although, this is the first time in several months we haven't had a tourist joining us as a guest host. Mind you, it's a fifth Wednesday bonus episode, so it's not as big a deal. <sighs> but given the topic, I'd prefer having a guest to get through it. Seriously, I'm getting the impression the board is trying to isolate me during this slog. You'll be my Chewbacca to get through this? Don't you mean... Space Beast Man? <laughs> then it's a good thing you're not a Wookiee. Anyway, Kaiju lovers, yes, today's bonus episode is part of the board-mandated year of... Camera! Yes, because the so-called new King of the Monsters, who's also hashtag Team Kong, I've been told, has another nickname a lot of people forget, at least according to the title of today's movie. That's Gamera with two M's so he isn't confused for a camera, The Invincible from 1966. It's not some long-lost Gamera film I found stashed away in the vault. No, if you heard our season two premiere, episode 32, this is the heavily edited Americanized version of Gamera the Giant Monster. It basically got the Godzilla King of the Monsters 1956 treatment. When the original film was acquired for U.S. distribution by Harris Associates Incorporated and World Enterprises Corporation, they deleted slash rearranged existing footage and filmed new scenes with American actors like Albert Decker and Brian Donlevy in New York to replace what was removed. The result is... a mixed bag, I have to say. Of course you'd enjoy having more details on Z-Plan, Space Warrior. The thing is, unlike KOTM 56, there's not much to this. That's why I told the board... <laughs> yes, Jimmy, full disclosure. I argued with the board's special envoy about this. <sighs> anyway, while I'm contractually obligated to cover it, the board understood that this movie was best suited for a bonus episode because there isn't much to say about it. Despite all the changes, it's essentially the same story. The only remotely significant changes are the removal of Aoyogi's one-sided romance with Kyoko. I know, right? I don't even remember that being in the Japanese cut. Where was I? Oh, yes. 
the references to Atlantis are removed. The authorities are inexplicably unsure of Gamera Double M's existence. Okay. And Psycho Kenny's, I mean, Toshio-san's role was de-emphasized. And there was much rejoicing. Stuart Galbraith IV argues that these changes improved the film's pacing, which I'll give him. Heck, at 86 minutes, it's eight minutes longer than the Japanese cut, and it definitely wasn't as much of a slog as the original. I'll even concede that a few things are better in this version. The American acting in the new scenes is superior to the original, although I miss Captain Curly. And they do accomplish the same plot points, such as when an airman hits on an Air Force lady and she rebuffs him, He even says, baby, it's cold outside, which was a non-controversial pop culture reference back then. But the board meetings are shot like static TV scenes. Ironic, given that this was released theatrically and the rest of the Showa Gamera movies went straight to TV in the U.S. The U.N. meeting room looks like it was filmed in a tiny hotel panel room. G-Fest, anyone? Amazingly, despite some conflict, the Americans and Soviets actually agree to work together on Plan Z. In fact, it's plainly said that the jets at the beginning were Russian, and yet there's still the scene where the American pilot asked for the other plane's nationality. Whoops. The Americans later excused those planes by saying they flew off course. Okay. The Japanese ambassador in this speaks a bit of broken English and has a thick accent. These diplomats do mention peace treaties and international obligations. Hmm, sounds a little familiar. Which, like the Cold War, wasn't something typically mentioned in movies like this. The Americans still plan to use missiles, but this has a lot less weight in this version. And to Jimmy's delight, they at least mention that the island where Plan Z is carried out is a space facility. My favorite addition, though, is the new TV show segment. At least in this, they're all Americans and not Japanese scientists who are inexplicably speaking their own native tongue without interpreters. And the dub script writers have some fun with the new characters here, which include host Mr. Standish, Gamera Double M Believer Dr. Contraire, and Nonscience on Nonsense author Jules Manning. They discuss Dr. Hidaka's claims about Gamera Double M, which quickly devolves into a ridiculously heated argument. I felt like I was watching a Bill Nye versus Ken Ham debate. Or social media. Very true, Jimmy. The dubbing by Titra Studios, aka Titan Productions, who are famous for dubbing Mothra versus Godzilla and Speed Racer, among other things, is actually pretty good. Although, I noticed that characters tended to run their lines together or briefly talk over each other for no reason. So there's that. Man, I've gone this long and haven't mentioned one of the first differences you'll see, or rather here, compared to the Japanese original. The theme song by The Moons with music and lyrics, repeating one word counts as lyrics, by Wes Farrell and Artie Butler. I've no idea who this band is, but according to the record cover that has this as a single, they're the most exciting thing since the Beatles. Uh Uh-huh. This theme plays for about 10 seconds at the beginning of the movie and comes back during the scene where the youth tell off the police and refuse to evacuate. So at that point, it's diegetic. But then the score plays over it poorly. 
There's also some voiceover narration, but unlike the dubs for Godzilla Rates Again and Rodan, it never returns after the first few minutes. And it should be noted that there are some unused special effects shots restored in this version, most notably during Gamera Double M's attack on the geothermal plant. So why were all these changes made, you may ask? Well, it was to make the movie more marketable in the U.S., but the reasoning behind it was vastly different and much more practical compared to Godzilla King of the Monsters 1956. In Godzilla's case, it was a concession to lingering post-war resentment and prejudice toward the Japanese people and their films. Mainstream American culture wasn't yet at a place where it could accept a film with an all-Japanese cast. This... It was because the performances by the English-speaking expatriates in the original was horrible, and the English spoken by the Japanese actors was poor. That's about it. That's true, Jimmy. It was a bit like KOTM 56 in that the filmmakers wanted more of an American perspective on the story. I say all this, kaiju lovers, because at least KOTM 56 exists as something of a historical relic. It's a reflection of Japanese-American relations at that moment in history. Gamera Double M The Invincible is just an attempt to put a gold ring in a pig's snout. It'd be like Funimation filming and inserting new scenes of a Japanese-American actress to replace Satomi Ishihari as Kyoko and Patterson and Shin Godzilla because they thought her English was too terrible for American audiences. That wouldn't be done now. So, honestly... This movie's backstory is far less interesting to me. But like King of the Monsters 56 with Godzilla, it did introduce America to Gamera. You might have a point there, Jimmy. Mystery Science Theater 3000, for better or worse, did introduce a lot of people to the Guardian of the Universe. We can't underestimate what this movie did, though. And that legacy is part of what we'll be discussing during the rest of the year of Gamera. We still have nine wonderful films to go. Can you tell I'm excited? Shut up, Jimmy. But first, we have to conclude the Kong quest with Godzilla versus Kong, which as of this broadcast is only a few short days away from releasing. Hopefully, kaiju lovers, you'll be listening to this on your way to the theater or on your commute home to watch it on HBO Max. For that episode, I'll be joined by my longtime friend and collaborator, Eric Anderson. In the meantime, I'd like to thank MIFV Max members Travis Alexander, Michael Hamilton, Danny Demena, Eli Harris, Chris Cook, Damon Noyes, and Bex from Redeemed Otaku for their support on Patreon. You too can get shoutouts like this and other great perks like behind-the-scenes blogs and bonus blooper audio by supporting MIFV on Patreon starting at just $3 a month. A link to our Patreon will be in the show notes. But now, it's time for Lizard's Monkey Punchy Punchy. Jimmy, cue credits. Thank you for listening to the Monster Island Film Vault, a podcast produced and hosted by Nate Marchand. If you enjoy the show and want to join the discussion, we'd love to hear from you. So email us at feedback at monsterislandfilmvault.com. Your message could be read on a future episode of the show. Our website is monsterislandfilmvault.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Monster Island Film Vault and on Twitter, where our handle is at TheMonsterIsla1. You can also follow Jimmy from NASA on Twitter at NASA Jimmy 
and the Monster Island Board of Directors at Monster Isla BOD. I have fulfilled my contractual obligations! And be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, and Twitch. The podcast logo was created by Tyler Souls from TylerDrawsComics.com. Our theme song is Wanderer on the Offensive Live Edit by B33J, Sarax, Juan Madrano, and Nonsensical Lexus, which is a remix of Counterattack Battle with the Colossus and The Open Way Battle with the Colossus by Koatani from the video game Shadow of the Colossus. All film and audio clips belong to the respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended or implied. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and or Podchaser to spread the word about the show. You can also support us by joining MIFV Max on Patreon. The Monster Island Film Vault is a Moonlighting Ninjas Media production. Sayonara!